Hello and welcome to the SWIB Podcast, where members of the Wisconsin Retirement System can turn for timely information on the investments that help fund the state's pension system. I'm Chris Preisler, Communications Specialist for the State of Wisconsin Investment Board, or SWIB. And I'm Dusty Weiss, producer of the podcast. SWIB owns stock in over 6,000 public companies across the globe at any given moment. As a shareholder, SWIB is focused on the long-term economic interests of the companies it invests in. In addition to a company's economic health, solid products, a strong customer base, a growing market share, SWIB is also concerned about accountability, transparency, and alignment, hallmarks of a company that is doing things the right way. Broadly, corporate governance refers to a company's processes and structures that are aimed at ensuring this type of effective oversight. SWIB's corporate governance program utilizes various methods to evaluate and influence companies along these dimensions in order to improve long-term shareholder value. In this episode of the SWIB podcast, we're going to take a look at SWIB's corporate governance program, including the policies used to analyze its domestic and international proxy votes and how those policies benefit the Wisconsin retirement system. The SWIB podcast is a regular opportunity for you to learn more about the people and funds that comprise the Wisconsin retirement system. Please make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode, share this podcast with your fellow WRS members, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for other members to find this show. Today we are joined by SWIB's Chief Legal Counsel, Sarah Chandler. Sarah joined SWIB's legal team in 2017 before becoming its Chief Legal Counsel in 2018. She has spent her entire career in the investment management industry, advising asset managers on a wide variety of legal and investment matters. Prior to joining SWIB, Sarah served as an Associate General Counsel at King Street Capital Management, a New York-based hedge fund, and as an Associate at Sidley Austin LLP in its Investment Funds Group. She earned her law degree with high honors from the University of Chicago Law School and her bachelor's degree with honors from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Also joining us today is SWIB's Head of Corporate Governance, Tom Robinson. Tom joined SWIB in 2012 as a Corporate Governance Analyst. Prior to joining SWIB, Tom was a securities examiner for the Wisconsin Department of Financial Institutions and a project manager for the State Bureau of Transit. Tom also spent time as a project assistant for the La Follette School of Public Affairs at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He was also a research specialist intern at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Tom earned his bachelor's degree in economics from Colorado State University, a master's degree in taxation from FAU, Florida Atlantic University, and a master's degree in public affairs from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So Sarah and Tom, welcome both of you to the SWIB podcast. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Let's start today's discussion talking about SWIB's role as an investor. SWIB is a fiduciary and is governed by the prudent investor standard. What does that mean? Well, let's start with the idea of a fiduciary. At its most basic, a fiduciary is someone who acts on behalf of another with the obligation to put the beneficiary's interest ahead of their own. In Wisconsin, SWIB acts on behalf of the Wisconsin Retirement System as a fiduciary, which is enshrined in state law. The prudent investor standard by law requires SWIB to use the skill, diligence, and care that a prudent person acting in a similar capacity would use in managing a large public pension plan. The law also requires SWIB to make investment decisions and conduct its operations solely to fulfill the purpose of the funds under its management. This all adds up to a system where SWIB staff are required by law to stay focused on investment returns, as well as risk and costs, and ignore anything other than those goals. So one of the ways SWIB exercises this fiduciary duty is through its corporate governance program? 
Yes. So SWIB's corporate governance program was implemented way back in 1986 to protect SWIB's long-term investment holdings by exercising our rights as a shareholder. We work to responsibly promote sound governance practices to mitigate risk at our investments. As Chris mentioned at the onset, the overarching themes of the program are accountability, transparency, and alignment. Some areas we focus on are board of directors, executive compensation, committee structures, conflicts of interest, and how companies react to shareholder sediment or even untimely events. We also work to build long-term relationships via strategic engagement with company representatives to help promote our views on the issues we care about most. So one of the key aspects of the program is proxy voting. Can you explain what proxy voting is and how it promotes SWIB's interests? Yeah, so proxy voting works as a formal mechanism through which corporations and their shareholders communicate about a broad range of issues. Voting matters can be put on a ballot by a company's board or shareholders and can include important topics such as approving the members of the board, mergers, acquisitions, and how management is compensated. Investors who own voting shares in the company as of the company's record date are eligible to vote their shares either in person or electronically. Companies provide information on ballot items in advance so shareholders can make an informed voting decision. And at SWIB, as our assets keep growing and companies become more complex, we set new records every year for the number of proxies that we vote. I think we're over 60,000 separate proposals for the first half of this year. And so to assist with that kind of volume, we utilize a proxy voting advisor and they help us analyze the issues, they make recommendations, and then they execute our votes for us once we've made the decision how we want to vote. But we don't just follow the advisor's recommendations. We vet the rules that that they use. And we also have adopted our own custom proxy voting guidelines that we use to override the advisor's recommendations in certain circumstances. The point is really to keep management accountable. We're not interested in running the business day to day, but we are active participants and we definitely make our views known when we think that the management isn't acting to maximize the long-term value of the company. Right, because ultimately, if they're not doing that, then it's not in the best interest of the Wisconsin retirement system. And you mentioned that SWIB generally follows the recommendations of its proxy advisor unless the situation triggers those custom proxy guidelines. So what are some of the principles where SWIB may have developed those custom proxy guidelines? So board of directors is one key area. The election of the board is the most common and significant shareholder vote. Directors serve as fiduciaries and are elected to oversee company management and represent shareholder interests. Because of this, the majority of directors should be independent of management. As investors, we expect directors to be qualified, not overcommitted to too many boards, and free from business ties to the company that could compromise their ability to objectively fulfill their duties. Likewise, directors should also be accountable for their actions. For example, we would consider holding the compensation committee responsible if they failed to adequately link CEO pay to performance. And building on that, you know, compensation is really important. We think that compensation plans should be aligned with business strategy, company performance, and long-term shareholder value. And disclosure is really important, too. We want it to be clear and transparent so that we can see what incentives are being utilized to reward the management team. For example, if a company frequently talks about return on capital as a key driver, we expect performance metrics to be utilized in the compensation plan to correspond to that metric. So what are some of the trends you're seeing in terms of proxy voting? 
So one of the major trends is that boardroom diversity continues to improve. Board seats held by diverse directors in the Russell 3000 Index have more than doubled since 2015. Likewise, only 13% of the Russell 3000 companies have no racially or ethnically diverse directors versus 50% seven years ago. We're also seeing changes beyond diversity within the boardroom. Historically, corporate directors tended to be former CEOs and CFOs, but with the growing need for subject matter experts in areas such as cybersecurity, environmental oversight, supply chain, and human resources, boards are actively recruiting more directors with a specific skill to help oversee some of these increasingly complicated issues. And once again, it's back to compensation. Median CEO pay rose in both the S&P 500 and the Russell 3000 as activities returned to normal after the pandemic. Meanwhile, shareholder support for the pay packages has declined each year since 2018. Another trend is adding social or environmental performance metrics into pay packages, whether that's related to diversity, employee retention, or environmental goals. We generally support using compensation incentives, but we're laser focused on whether the metrics used are transparent and measurable and applicable to the business. We're also seeing a record number of non-binding environmental and social shareholder proposals so far this year. This has been driven by growing interest in these topics and the fact that SEC allowed more proposals to get on the ballots in 2022. The lower quality of some of these proposals might account for the decline in overall market support, but the number of majority-supported proposals has basically been unchanged from last year. Proposals with higher support tend to focus on issues such as disclosure of climate change risks, diversity, and human capital management, while proposals with lower support tend to ask companies to disclose information already available or the proposals themselves lack a convincing business purpose. You've both mentioned environmental and social issues in this discussion. That's two of the three parts of ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing. Can you explain a little bit more about what ESG is? Sure. So ESG is an umbrella term for a variety of non-financial factors that may or may not impact a particular business. ESG investing does not have a precise definition and can mean different things to different people, which is one source, in my opinion, of some of the current controversy around it. Originally, ESG investing was based on achieving effects outside the risk-return framework and was commonly referred to as socially responsible investing. More recently, ESG investing has often referred to the idea that focusing on these issues could actually lead to better returns over the long run. Today, ESG investing can encompass both ideas and draws in a variety of topics from climate change to human capital management to data security and even areas like product quality and safety. It sounds like the lack of a precise definition can make ESG challenging to talk about. What do you think people misunderstand about the role of ESG investing? Well, I think there's a rush to label companies as good or bad. So Tesla makes electric vehicles, so it's good. Exxon is in the fossil fuel business, so it's bad. But Tesla actually has ESG scores that are all over the map, depending upon how much weight is put on the positive environmental impact of their electric cars versus how much emphasis is placed on the mining and labor practices in Africa where they source the cobalt for their lithium batteries. So what an example like this highlights for us is that a strategy that uses ESG scores or filters to label companies is too opaque. 
Instead, what we focus on at SWIB is our investment professionals looking at individual companies to determine the issues that impact their long-term results. And if an ESG issue is relevant to the company's risk or returns, then we want to know how the company's dealing with it. To that point, something that is underappreciated is the growing role of shareholder engagement. So building long-term relationships through conversation is an important and effective lever to promote sound practices. Conversations provide insight and deepen mutual understanding around the company's long-term business strategy and corporate actions. As a long-term investor, the relationships we form have value, especially as principles and the landscape continue to evolve. These discussions would be much more difficult and less impactful if we didn't hold shares in the company we were engaging with. There are only so many hours in the day. Consequently, if a company is considering taking a call from an existing shareholder versus an uninvested pension plan, the choice is relatively easy. Well, it sounds like SWIB staff have to take a more nuanced view of these issues than just sell every company that might have had some issues. Well, if you think about it, the Wisconsin retirement system has over 660,000 beneficiaries. So it's unlikely that you could get substantial agreement on any particular political or social position among a group that's that large and that diverse. What you can likely get agreement on is their desire that we invest so that the WRS can deliver the benefits to retirees that have been promised. With that being said, I think people also misunderstand the impact of divestment mandates. Selling off a company's stock into the secondary market to willing buyers, and there are willing buyers, doesn't hurt the company you're divesting from. In fact, studies have shown that divestment mostly hurts the plan through lower returns and increased compliance and monitoring costs. Beyond that, and building on Tom's earlier point, divesting removes your ability to engage with the company. Ultimately, and circling back to the beginning of our conversation, SWIB is going to do what's in the best interest of the Wisconsin retirement system. Well, Sarah and Tom, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And thank you to all our listeners for checking out this episode of the SWIB podcast. The SWIB podcast is brought to you by the State of Wisconsin Investment Board and produced by PodCamp Media. Branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. Our editor and producer is Larry Kilgore III. Thanks again for listening. I'm Chris Preisler. And I'm Dusty Weiss. 